Well, praise the Lord. Amen. A couple of things we need, you need to know about July coming up that starts tomorrow. We designate, I don't see that it, there's a couple of you, but not very many. Uh, July is no tie month at Woodland Hills. If you wear a tie, we cut it off with scissors. So don't wear no tie during the month of July. And uh, also, uh, July is a month that we're not going to be here on Wednesday night. And I know uh, from this crowd here, almost every one of y'all are here on Wednesday night. So I want you to be sure you know where we are. Uh, we're at Heaton Place this Wednesday night. And then uh, next Wednesday night, we're at Big Oaks. We have food at every one of these things on Wednesday. And then uh, services, music, and preaching, and, and just a time of fellowship and games. The third Wednesday, we're at Mason Creek. The fourth, we're at, uh, I think, Hallsville uh, Park, and then Teague Park, and uh, different places. So July is a wonderful month here uh, at Woodland Hills. Hope you'll be a part of every bit of that. Matthew chapter 5, we are going through the book of Matthew, and uh, we begin in this morning in chapter 5, and really, uh, I, I'm just going to unload two verses, and that's it, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? Matthew 5, verse 1, seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Father, thank you this morning. Oh, thank you so much for not coming down off that cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you not only died for our sin, but you rose for our eternal life. That we not only have freedom here in this life, but we'll have freedom for all of eternity. We praise you for that. ask you to speak to our hearts in the message this morning. Lord, would you cleanse me? Would you not let me say anything that wouldn't honor and glorify you and be the truth? Lord, let your will be done in every life in this place. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come in and take over this place, and we'll praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated for 400 years. 400 years, there was silence from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew. God withdrew himself. There were no kings to speak. There were no judges that spoke. There were no priests that spoke. There was no interaction. There was no manifestation. There was no angels. There was nothing. 400 years, nothing. God's bride, Israel, basically uh, is divorced from her groom, Jesus Christ. Israel's on probation. Malachi concludes the Old Testament with a curse. But there's a remnant that's waiting for the Messiah. And Matthew breaks that silence. It's a transitional book. It's, he picks up where the Old Testament prophets left off. God is showing his dealings with Old Testament people. And Matthew is presenting Jesus Christ as the filler or the fulfillment of what the Old Testament prophecies were. Fifteen times the word fulfilled is used in the book of Matthew. More Old Testament references in Matthew than in Mark, Luke, and John all combined together. It's a revealing of us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Over 450 prophecies in the Old Testament about God, who God calls Messiah or Messiah. 450. The Old Testament was a book of unfulfilled 
prophecies, of unexplained ceremonies, of doing things that no one even knew what they were doing, of unsatisfied longings. That's why when Matthew ends this book, it ends with the curse, because the Jews were left empty. They were left confused. They were left unfulfilled. They were left longing. They were left with a great void. And that which they sought in the perfect prophet had already failed. That which they sought in the perfect priest had already failed. That which they saw in the perfect king had already failed. And not just failed miserably, but I want to tell you, God, it failed so bad God chooses not to speak for 400 years. There are four major prophets 12 minor prophets, the people of God had become accustomed to hearing God speak. Now, it doesn't mean they were accustomed to obeying it, but they were accustomed to hearing God speak. And for 400 years, God's silent. He says nothing. Silence of God. No angel, no prophet, no judge. No leader. And here's the nation Israel, 400 years, wallowing around, confused, longing. And then all of a sudden, we go from Malachi to Matthew. And Matthew is saying, hey, hey, Jews, listen to me. That, 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 that one you've been looking for, he's here now. The, the one you've been longing for, he's here now. The one whose prophecies have never been fulfilled, he's here now. The one you've been doing all these ceremonies that you have no idea what you've even been doing. He's here now. Matthew presents Jesus as the Messiah and as the king. In the first chapter of the book of Matthew, verse 1, the Bible says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, he's going to give us the lineage primarily to Jews. Genealogy doesn't mean a whole lot to a lot of people today. But in biblical days... Let me tell you, who your daddy was and who his daddy was and who his daddy was determined who you was. Your name meant something. It was important. And Matthew comes in and he says, I'm going to give you the royal pedigree. He's the son of David. And not only the royal pedigree, but the racial pedigree too. He's the son of Abraham. So what he's saying here is you mark it down. Uh, Jesus is no hoax. Jesus is no scam. Jesus is no imposter. This is not a trick. Jesus lines up with his qualifications. He lines up with what the prophecy says. He meets all of the credentials. Isaiah said it like this, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. Call his name Jesus. He goes on to say, you'll call him Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For unto a son is given, unto us a child is born. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. I want to tell you, Matthew wasted no time. In the second chapter of Matthew, Herod, the government, is looking for Jesus because he wants to kill him. They want to kill him. The wise men came from afar off. But I think that's a sign that the Jews are going to reject the Messiah. But it's also a sign that God is saying, listen, the gospel's not just for the Jews, but it's for everyone. The gospel's not just for a select few. If you're here this morning without Jesus Christ, let me tell you, the gospel is for you. Today is your day of salvation. And then you get down to John chapter 3, and he says, there's going to be one coming to be preferred above me. 
And then you get over to, John, to uh, Matthew chapter uh, 4. That was Matthew 3. John's in Matthew 3. You get over to Matthew 4 and Jesus preaches his first sermon. Matthew 4, 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven. He's already healed people. He's already been teaching. He's already done miracles. He's already validated all of his credentials. And what he's doing is he's paving the road for Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the Beatitudes as we call them. He's setting everything up so that the people can get ready for the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says, and his kingdom will have no end. Boy, I want to tell you, I want to be a part of a kingdom like that. I don't want to be a part of something going to flake out after 10 years. You ever invest in something, and then 10 or 15 years later, boom, it's all gone? You think, wow, you'll never invest in the kingdom of God, and it'll be gone. It'll always be a great investment. The kingdom of God represents all of those who are alive and who ever have been alive on the face of the earth. It, it represents all of us. But know this. There is a day coming that he's going to come in the flesh. There is a day coming, not from a theological position, but there is a day when Jesus is coming again. Mark your calendar is what Matthew is saying. He's coming again. First time he's coming, he's going to be in the clouds. You say, preacher, I don't like that theology. You can be wrong. You don't have to believe that. You can believe you're going through the tribulation. Hey, if you want a little practice, come up here. I'll get a ball-peen hammer and hit you a couple of times and kind of get you ready for what it is. But I'll tell you, I believe there's going to come a day when the shout's going to mount and we're going to hold up to meet him in the air. And uh, I want to tell you, our cares are gone. And then there's seven years of tribulation on this earth. Seven years. Mm. And then he's coming again. This time he's going to stand on the Mount of Olives and it's going to split. And then he's going to set up his kingdom to rule a thousand years, to reign and rule. I'm looking forward to that day. I love serving the Lord in a spiritual state that we're in now, but I'll tell you one thing. I'm looking forward to being able to physically bow down in Jerusalem at his feet and see that crown and see that robe and see the one who died for me on Calvary. He's coming again, and he's trying to get us ready for that kingdom. The sermon on the amount is his. On, on the amount. I did the same thing. <laughs> Wait, Skip, I did the same thing. I preached a sermon uh, on, on the sermon on the amount uh, out of Beatitudes. And I've, it's been years ago. I've never forgotten it. This is the sermon on the mount. All right? It's the sermon on the mount. That's his constitution. That's his... Uh, body of laws. That's his system of government. And he's letting us know that he is king. Now listen to me. And if he is going to be king, we're going to live the way he said live. That's what he's saying here. When the kingdom is at hand, he is king and we're going to live the way he said live. Aren't you glad? Woo, aren't you glad there's coming a day when somebody's uh, going to ain't just making rules to just make rules. I tell you, our government, our court system, our judicial system, all those who put together our laws, let me just, I don't want to get in much trouble. I just want a little bit of trouble. 
Let me just tell you, they make a lot of rules that are not in our best interest. There's coming a day when the king of kings will be on his throne. And he'll never make a rule you don't like. Coming a day, the king of kings is going to be on his throne. And there'll never be a rule made that you'll have to murmur about or second guess about. I got a couple of emails this week. One pastor asked me, he said, Brother Charles, I know you, know you well. Please don't make fun of us. We're in a mess. We've made fun of California for so long, the land of the fruits and nuts. And, you know, and, but this last week in California, there, they call it assembly, their house passed a motion that a preacher could not preach against LBGT. Cannot preach. It goes to the Senate at California this week. Now, and, and the, the guys told me it's got a good chance of passing. Now, I already know. I've, you know me. You, you, those of you who've been here, you know me. I'm not going to quit preaching. Sin is still sin. And I know I'm going to jail. And I know a bunch of y'all said you'd be there. You're lying. I know that. <laughs> I'm not counting on that. Bless God, if somebody just bring me a butterfinger maybe or something like that, and, you know, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Huh. Brother Case and his boys are here this morning because uh, they got in a playoff game and decided that they were going to play it at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. And these two young men are to be, I'm not sure they're thrilled about it, but I just want to tell you, there'll come a day when they'll know their mom and daddy love Jesus more than they love baseball. I'll tell you that. But I want to tell you, there's going to come a day when he's going to have his kingdom and there ain't going to be no more rules like that. It's going to be joy, peace, excitement, contentment. And right now, now stay with me. Right now, could it be, just could it be, that Jesus is saying, I may not sit on the throne in Jerusalem. And the real truth is the Jews have rejected. They don't think Jesus is salvation. They don't believe he is the Messiah. They don't believe his sacrifice on the cross was enough to pay for their sin. They have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ even today. But for those of us, can I get a witness, who've been born again, blood washed, we know he's our redeemer. We know he's our salvation. We know he's our deliverer. We know he's our hope. Could it be I don't have a hope so salvation. I have a no so salvation. I know Jesus is in my heart, in my life. I know the Holy Spirit's in this place this morning. I know that. He lives. He rules. He reigns. He does all things. He knows everything. He never changes. Could it be that the king is saying to us this morning, one day I'm going to rule on that throne in Jerusalem, but until then, in the meantime, in the meantime, would you carve out a spot for me in your heart and let me rule in your heart? Would you carve out a spot in your home and let me rule in your home? Bless God, I thought I'd never say this, but in many of our churches, 
I think he's asking, would you carve out a spot in your church and let me rule in your church? Huh? Would you carve out a spot in your thoughts and let me rule in what you think? Would you carve carve out a spot in your dress and let me rule how you dress and look? Huh? I'm not on the throne in Jerusalem yet, but would you let me rule in your home, in your heart, in your habits, in your behavior? You see, folks, just because he's king doesn't mean we let him rule. There's a lot of us professing Jesus, but, boy, we don't act much like it. In verse uh, verse 17 of chapter 4, he said, repent. And now, listen to me. He says, repent. Repent. Never forget that word. People don't want you to hear that word today, but I tell you, it's a word you need. You need to repent. Without repentance, there's no remission of sin. you got to repent. And when you do repent, then chapters 5, 6, and 7 are going to show us the fruit of that repentance. (laughs) We're going to be here in Matthew for a while. I won't tell you what you're going to find out. Excuse my English. But you're going to find out ain't no way you're going to be able to do what he told you to do unless you did repent. We get out here to Matthew chapter, four, uh, chapter 5, verse 44, and he says, I want you to love your enemies and bless them that curse you. We're going to find out if you repented or not. When we get on down there a little further and he says, hey, uh, when they tell you, the soldier tells you to go one mile, you go on and go two miles. We're going to find out if you really repented or not. Some of you are wondering, did I really repent? We're going to find out. When they say, hey, give me your coat, you don't just give them your coat. You take off your cloak, too, and give it to them. Now, listen, you can't live like that if you've not repented. You want to know if you really repented? Well, if, you, if, you, if you're planning on living like the kingdom of heaven, I, I think what he's saying here, guys, let's just, let's just put this thing to a test. You say you're going to follow me, you say I'm Lord, you say I'm king, then you do what I tell you to do. You say I'm in charge, then you go where I say go. You say I'm on the throne, then you act how I say act. That's what you do for a king. Verses 1 and 2 begins the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever preached a sermon. And even though we... We're not there. Because of the detail of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, I believe that we can go back and be there. I believe we can, I believe we can join these people right here and be there. Let me just give you two points and I'm through. Quick. Number one is this. The Bible says that He went up into a mountain. It's a solitary place. The Pharisees, the judges, the kings, the priests, they all had their castles. They all had their palaces. They all had their temples. They had all of these things. Anytime there was an announcement to be made, everybody gathered around, and it was all set up. 
But our Lord didn't even have a place to lay his head. He traveled across the desert. And the Bible says he went up into the mountain. It's a solitary place. I believe our Lord's telling us, I didn't come to look good. I didn't come to be popular. I didn't come to be prestigious. I didn't come riding in a chariot, and I didn't come riding on a white horse. Those things will happen, but I didn't come that way. I came as a servant. I came as one who loved you so much that I was willing to leave heaven in all of its glories to die on a cross because I was burdened for you. Point number two, we're almost through. That ought to make some folk happy. It's a significant place. Could I tell you big things happen on mountains? I mean, when you get to the mountain, I mean, if you were to ask, what, what's the number one thing? I mean, Jews, what, what, would, what is it? You'd have to say the law. The Ten Commandments, the law. I mean, that was what Jews were after. I mean, it was the law, the law, the law, the law said, the law said. Yeah, and they had all of these rules and regulations. Listen, I think what Jesus is showing us here is that the law shows you you're a sinner. But Jesus shows you how to be saved. He didn't wipe it out. He fulfilled it. I know you ladies, I see you on all these senior adult trips. We'll take pictures and they'll say, that just doesn't look like me. It looks exactly like you. <laughs> the camera does not lie. Listen, the camera's not going to lie. You get in that mirror, well, that don't look like me. That's you. It's you. That's all the law could do. The law could look and it reflected back to make me know I'm a sinner. And I've sinned. It never could save anybody. Where the law condemns you, Jesus shows you how to be redeemed. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Moses descended down from the mountain. Jesus ascended up to the mountain. Whoo! Moses got the law with thunderings and lightnings and all flashing around. Jesus with a still, small voice when Moses came down with the law he said told the people distance yourself from me stay back stay back when Jesus comes he says come near come on in here close I want to talk with you Moses was giving you something to show you were lost Jesus is giving you something to show you how to be saved She was a beautiful, charming, gifted young lady. She was the talk of the town in London. Lovely, gracious, talented girl. She sat at the piano and she played and the crowds came. And they told her how sweet she was and how beautiful she was and how talented she was. And wow, you just, you, she could just play the piano. You just, ah, oh, sat there. Everybody was so encouraging. But there was a preacher there that night. His name was Caesar Milan. And Caesar Milan approached this young lady and he said, Young lady, you've got charm. You've got grace. You're beautiful. 
you've got such talent. He said, but if you don't get saved, if you don't see your need to be saved and give your heart to Jesus Christ, you're just as lost as the worst harlot in London. She got hacked. She said, I can't believe a preacher would be that rude to me. She just laughed it off. She went back to her hotel room that night, tried to laugh it off. She couldn't. Three o'clock in the morning, Charlotte Elliott got up and gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ, was born again. And then she sat down and wrote this song that we sing so often, Just As I Am Without One Plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. That's the way she came. That's the way I came. That's the way you came. And if you haven't come yet, that's the way you will come. Because that's God's way. I spoke with some this week, and they said, look, I know we need to be saved. I'm ready to be I really want to be saved. I'm just, I'm just not quite ready. You don't get that option. If the Holy Spirit is not drawing you this morning, I got some news. You, you can walk down this aisle. You can jump. You can give a million dollars to this church, and you'll be lost and going to hell. The only way you can be saved is if the Holy Spirit draws you. Now, the fact that you're in a church on Sunday morning is a pretty good sign that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I'm just telling you, you need to do it when the Holy Spirit says do it because the Scripture says my spirit will not always strive with your spirit. There'll come a time, read Romans 1. God just gave them up, gave them up to a reprobate mind. They kept saying no, 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 no. And I'm asking you this morning, if you need Jesus, would you say yes? Would you just admit this morning that you're a sinner? I mean, honestly, there can't nobody in here disagree with that because every one of us are in the same boat. We not only inherited sin from Adam, we chose to sin ourselves. Boy, had it not been. Mm we wouldn't have an opportunity we've got this morning to admit we're a sinner and to know we cannot save ourselves. But there's one who stands with open arms saying, come, come. You bow down. Whosoever believeth in me, he shall live eternally. He shall live eternally. Maybe you need a church home. Maybe you need to just come to this altar and pray. I don't know what you need to do, but I want you just to spend some time just saying, God, whatever you want me to do, that's what I want to do. Lord, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not ready for the kingdom of heaven. I done read down there in that red print where we're to love everybody. and all, who? I'm not ready for all that. You get ready for it by repenting. When you repent and turn to Jesus, you'll be ready to live in the kingdom of God. Father, thank you this morning again for the joy to proclaim the word. Thank you how we's blessed in the music. Lord, I, I pray today for every person that's in this auditorium that, Lord, we'd not just make this another normal Sunday, but, oh, Father, we would ask you what, do you, what do you want us to do, Lord? Whatever you want me to do, 
There are those in this place that need to be saved today. Lord, let it happen today. Other decisions need to be made. Lord, you know what they are. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you just have your way in every life in this place? We love you. Thank God for what you have done and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you